You're listening to Cool and Unusual Punishment Presents Chosen. This is episode six. My name is Tyler, and joining me, as always, Jody, how are you? I'm great. Jody, what are we talking about tonight? This episode is about one of the courses offered at Valley Brook Church during the period of time we've been talking about. Before I get started, let me remind everybody that we are talking about spiritual abuse that happened at Valley Brook Church during a very specific period of time, publicly identified in 2015 reflective of events that happened before that. Um, Nothing that we're talking about suggests that any of these things are happening right now. So just want to always remind people of that. Um, Tonight we're going to talk about wounded. There is going to be a series of episodes about this. This is one of the courses that was offered by Valley Brook. This is a course that was encouraged Everyone was strongly encouraged to take this course. Uh-huh. And again, I'm going to just right off the bat show my ignorance again. Is this typical in church settings that there would be sort of church courses offered? It is definitely not typical that this sort of, I don't think this particular coursework is something that most churches would do. This was very loosely based on a book called The Wounded Heart, which Dr. Dan Allender, it's was targeted towards um, adult victims of childhood sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. So that book inspired this curriculum. Okay. And I'm guessing it wasn't, the book originally probably wasn't intended to be uh, like educational material. It offers a tender, compassionate window into the psychological effects of abuse and the theological foundations for healing. In 2018, this um, printing was 30 years after, so it's yeah. an old book. Okay. Um, it sold over 400,000 copies. So, like, this is... This is nice. I'm glad we can start with the book. Yeah, Got that's <laughs> the book. I mean, we're not going to talk much about that right, at right, all. Right. What we're going to do tonight... This is going to be sort of a crash course on wounded. So we're going to go through highlights of the curriculum. This is the result of my reading every word of the curriculum from 2013 and the curriculum from 2014 and identifying the differences. It's significant because this curriculum was developed by people who volunteered to help with things at Valley Brook, okay? Yeah. But in 2014, Doug decided to revamp Wounded a bit. So in 2013, there was 10 chapters. So we've got Welcome to Wounded, Fall 2013 Assignments, My Understanding of This Wounded Season, Wounds Defined. Chapter 1, The Ongoing Choice to Engage. Chapter 2, Understanding Your Setup. 
Chapter three, timelines, walking through your setup. Chapter four, sharing your story. Chapter five, counterfeit shame and anger. Chapter six, misery addiction and performance addiction. Chapter seven, sharing your letter. Chapter eight, discovering your God-created identity. Chapter nine, redefining your relational world. Chapter 10, moving forward, it's up to you. And then there's additional resources. This is just called Wounded in 2013. It's just Wounded. Yeah. In 2014, it's Wounded, Uncovering Your God-Created Identity. Chapter 1, Why Are You Here? Chapter 2, The Root of Your Self-Created Identity Chapter three, you were set up. Chapter four, the evolution of your self-created identity. Chapter five, the fruit of rejection. Chapter six, claiming your God-created identity. Chapter seven, navigating life in your God-created identity. Chapter eight, continuing to grow into the real you. And then there's an appendices. Okay, so you get this material. This is what you're going to read regardless of 2013 or 2014. Your time is now. You have bravely chosen to accept God's invitation to get well. His healing and freedom are real and they are for you. Full disclosure, healing can be a painful process. A broken bone might require that bone to be reset by a doctor. A torn ligament likely calls for a long, uncomfortable process of physical therapy. Even a small cut can cause an annoying itch. Emotional and relational healing are no less uncomfortable. In fact, the process can be excruciating at times. You may then ask, why in the world would I want to go through this? Why go there? Is it worth it? These are valid questions. In Luke 14, 31 to 32, Jesus uses the examples of a king who was considering going to war. The king would be beyond foolish to simply jump into war without considering whether or not he can win. He must consider the cost of battle. In a very real sense, you are stepping into a war. The battle is between the life you have lived and the, quote, more and better life that God created for you. So this part is all the same. And then there's some additions I noticed when I looked at the 2014. And here's one of those paragraphs. Another important why Because of your wounds and your negative responses to those wounds, you are not able to clearly see who you are or who God is. Your sense of your own identity and your image of God has been tainted and tarnished. Your wounds were rejections of your God-created identity. For you to experience the more and better mentioned above, you must be willing to strip away the dirty filters of that rejection in order to clearly see who you are and who he is. So if you believe the why is worth it, your next question may very well be, can I win this fight? The answer is a resounding yes. In fact, you are destined to win this battle. Victory awaits on the other side of your willingness to be courageous and face the truth of your story. So then it goes on to talk about what does it mean to engage and... Can I just say so far? Yes, of course you can. Even if even if you were assuming that this course is only being taken by people who specifically are looking for a course about overcoming like childhood trauma, it, 
even in that case, this seems like a misguided way to start a course like that. To It's basically only said so far, like, this is going to be tough. This is going to be really hard, and it's going to be painful, and it's going to hurt. Look, this is going to hurt. And you got to be willing to feel that pain because it's going to hurt. If you want to get better, it's going to be bad. Look, are you ready to go to war? Because it's going to be bad. Like, I, I, I don't know. I'm not a counselor, but I feel like that's not how you should start the healing process to somebody who's experienced trauma. You probably shouldn't tell them how bad it's going to get. I don't know. Yeah. Well, funny you should mention that because, of course, this isn't a course developed by counselors or or people qualified to do this kind of work. Okay. As a matter of fact, they had college students who had simply gone through this course at the encouragement of somebody. And then suddenly they're leading courses. There was a child version of this course, which I don't know anything about. Yeah. Okay. I, um, because I I won't speculate on what a child version of, yeah, like. Uh, by the way, do you want to? Do we need to define what the course is broadly before we? The course is broadly about identifying how you were hurt in the past and what it eventually leads to is you finding people that have been like barriers to your God created identity and. We will arrive there by going through like a series of inventories and questions you have to answer. At the very least, there were people who were college aged who took this course that ended up like leading yeah. these courses. So these would be sensitive subjects <laughs> in a totally. course like this. Yeah, and like we will get into they they do acknowledge that they're not professionals, which is very true. So this then goes on. I There are a couple of places in this. I don't know who wrote this part, like where they have to go to the dictionary to define things. Like as somebody who... Like every best man speech starts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like it, it def- defines... Um, what does it mean to engage? While a dictionary may offer you multiple definitions of that word... There are two that immediate that are immediately applicable to the healing process in wounded. Occupy oneself, become involved, to cross weapons, enter into conflict. The great news is that if you choose to stay engaged, if you choose to persevere, if you choose to face your fears and walk through the pain, freedom and healing await you on the other side. Real life awaits. Those of us who have gone through wounded already know this to be true. And it is true because of the God who invited you into the process. Are you ready to take these steps? Are you ready to go free? Are you ready to see who you really are? Do you want to get well? Then there's this part at the bottom that's new to 2014. Special note about parents. Throughout this book, you will see multiple references to parent or parents. Many of us were not raised by our parents. If you were adopted, you may have had contact with both of your birth parents and your adoptive parents. You may have been raised by grandparents or other extended family members. For the purposes of this season of wounded, when we use the word parent in this book, we are referring to your primary caregiver givers as a child, whoever they were. So both versions of this have a creed 
type thing that you have to sign. Oh, okay. Like, it's like a pledge. Like a waiver? Okay, I'll a pledge. I got it. <laughs> well, there is... It, I would say this is a bit of a waiver. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're largely similar. I'm going to share both in... Yeah. Uh, I mean, th- if somebody is like, I want to look at all this stuff, you're going to have a lot of fun because it's it's a lot. I will share both. I'm not going to read both in their entirety, but I will go to the 2014 one. Whether this is your first time or you are a seasoned participant, I can't imagine how many times that's the case. You are about to embark on a new journey of profound pain and healing. These statements are meant to give you permission to sink deeply into what lies ahead as you understand the scope and nature of this season. I will not always see or understand what healing looks like for me, but I will commit to engaging in the process. I will offer my heart and my thoughts as fully as I can during small group time. I understand that this program is based on the truth of God's word, his love for us in Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We offer no substitute for the truth. I will not allow spirits of rejection, torment, fear, or distraction affect my healing process. And I will ask others to stand with me by calling these things out when they arise. That thing, that part is new in 2014. I'm here to heal and focus on my own story, not the story of others. I will face pain during this season, and my healing will come as I walk into this pain, surrounded by a community of others who are also wounded in healing. I will not pretend to know how to fix other people by giving unsolicited advice, explaining their situation away, or offering quick comfort phrases to them while they are in pain. I will not hug, touch, or offer tissues to someone without being asked or asking permission. Um, Matthew, who I spoke with. Yeah, yeah. The guy with the website. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he was the one who took the course and then led a course. Yeah. And they had a very brief... Cause I said, okay, what, how do they prepare you to do this? You know? And it was like a half hour type deal or very brief. Don't give tissues. Yeah. Number one. Oh, really? And (laughs) don't, don't give tissues. Don't hug. Like, and it was so that people were supposed to feel like really raw and. Yeah. (laughs) Again, I'm not a counselor, so maybe this is a proven method but it yeah you can see the the idea of being like no you got to feel those tears yes yeah yeah okay i will respect their courageous choice to sit in their pain and the healing that comes from that choice by listening giving them space to feel and offering life-giving feedback my leaders are not professional counselors their qualifications are rooted in their own stories, obedience, and training. Starting to sound like a waiver. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They are not here to give me any kind of medical or or psychological advice. They are not here to enable me or feel sorry for me, but rather to stand with me, fight for me, and love me. I will allow my leaders to be human, to not always get it right, and to be vulnerable in front of me. (laughs) Uh I mean, this really gets, gets anybody out of any sort of responsibility for what might come of... You know, they're going to love me, fight for me, not touch me. Yeah. I will gain from this healing process what I put into it. There is no magical formula. There are assignments that can help me stay engaged in between meetings. I will keep what is said in the small group confidential, including the identity of others in my group. That did not happen. These things were not kept confidential. And these things 
when it was somebody like Doug leading the group, especially, or other leaders in power would use these stories as like ammunition. Yes. Yeah. I will commit to attending to each session. If there is an unusual circumstance keeping me from going, I will notify my group leaders. I will approach my leaders with questions and concerns when they arise. If I feel offended or misunderstood, I will work it out with my leaders and the person involved. I understand that the support and information I received in Wounded is not a substitute for medical treatment, psychotherapy, and or professional counseling. Which then I'm wondering, maybe you should go to one of those things. It, it, <laughs> yeah. it, it feels, uh, right off the bat, it feels like even with the best intentions, it's designed as part of its design, there's a uh, like a a sort of liability. Like, look, we don't know what we're doing. This is on you. So, like, just just know that this is between you and yeah. Don't expect anything and don't ask anything. But we'll try. For what the course is supposed to help you through, it feels also very professionally very disconnected from like uh, responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Special note, if you are on medication or under a doctor's care, you must consult with your doctor before making any changes during this season of Wounded. The advice of licensed medical professionals always supersedes any decision or course of action you would be encouraged to take during Wounded. I have read and I understand the statements above. Print name, signature, date. These things happen in both 2013 and 2014, but they come at different stages of the wounded season. So one thing that does happen in both, but happens earlier in 2014, is this assignment where you have to create a picture board that includes six photographs from your childhood. On a blank piece of paper, make three columns, labeling them as follows. Elementary years, middle school years, high school years. Attach two photos from each of your childhood to the paper in the appropriate column. It should look something like what is below. Please start collecting photographs for this exercise. That would stress me out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm picturing it so far, though. And okay. So I get, I get my pictures. Yeah. So that will come up again. But, you know... You're supposed to kind of speak to who you were at those different times and reference them when you start to go go through and reckon with your demons through your checklists and stuff like that, right? We then get into this deal where you're going to start defining all the different kinds of wounds you might have. So it's in 2013... For the purposes of this season of Wounded, a wound is defined as an emotional injury that has been caused by abuse or neglect. And there's different kinds. There's emotional abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, and then they give examples of each, okay? Sexual abuse or sexual intercourse or other sexual activity, being exposed to pornography, being exposed to someone else's naked body, genitalia, or breasts, being coerced into exposing your naked body, genitalia, or breasts to someone else. Spiritual abuse, verbal abuse, neglect, 
emotional neglect, physical neglect, sexual neglect, verbal neglect. Then 2014, how do I put this? 2014 makes this even more complicated than 2013. So whatever you thought about what I just read there, and wow, there's a lot of subcategories. Yeah, I'm and, granular is how yeah, I would describe it. Yeah, yeah. And, and like very specific, like sexual abuse. Yeah. Like, do we really need bullet yeah, points yeah. on Yes. Here, there are active rejection wounds and passive rejection wounds. So active rejection wounds are emotional wounds you receive because of something that was done to you. They are wounds caused by abuse. The message given through abuse is that the victim is something to be used. Below is a non-comprehensive list of the types of active rejection wounds. So there's all these different types of active rejection wounds. These are all new 2014. Yeah. A lot of this is not, not in 2013. Betrayal. Well, they have to explain what it is, but we know degradation happens when somebody treats you as less than denial, discrimination, financial abuse, inappropriate responsibility, intellectual control, manipulation, physical violence, sexual abuse. There's additions to the sexual abuse from 2013. It's really unusual. I mean, Sexual abuse is not funny. Okay, we no. know that. But these are weird. This is weird. Yeah. So there's these additions. Being forced or manipulated into physical sexual activity, intercourse, heavy petting, kissing, feeling up, oral sex, or other forms of sexual contact. Being exposed to pornographic materials as a child. Emotional incest, which occurs when a parent uses the child for emotional support and relationship, being told sexual stories about other people. Spiritual abuse is added here again, but there's a little addition to what constitutes that dismissal of pain because you are told your pain is sinful, unspiritual, unbiblical, or self-imposed. Suppressed emotions. Suppressed emotions occur when you are told the emotion you are feeling is inappropriate or invalid. Big boys don't cry or we don't get angry in this house. So you can see where some of this, you know, we live in the Midwest here with generations before us that were a bit stoic. And then suddenly it's like, oh, wait a minute. I was, I was abused. You know, it's a slippery slope. Yeah. I would say verbal abuse. Then there's a checkpoint. What active rejection wounds can you see in your history? Was there anything listed here that you did not previously see as abuse? So then we move to what passive rejection wounds are. Those are wounds caused by neglect, by not receiving the love, discipline, or investment you needed in your childhood years. Abandonment, divorce, foster care, death, adoption. Developmental neglect, lack of oversight, lack of physical affection, lack of sexual information and guidance, lack of spiritual guidance, lack of verbal affection, physical neglect, witnessing abuse. Checkpoint, what passive rejection wounds can you see in your history? Was there anything listed here that you did not previously see as neglect? 
Then there's this bit at the bottom called neglect in the family dog. Often when we think about neglect, we think of physical neglect. Example, the victim is not provided with physical necessities like food, clothes, shelter, drink, or health care. Neglect is not being invested in as you should have been. God has built an identity for you to live out, one that will impact other people and allow you to experience the kind of abundant life that he wants you to. In order to grow into that identity, you needed more than just physical investment. You needed emotional and relational investment too. Checkpoint. In what ways were you treated differently or better than the family dog? And then it goes into the root of rejection. It is the foundation of your self-created identity and impacts how you navigate daily life and all relationships. Once you have experienced a rejection wound, whether passive or active, the root of rejection has grown into your soul. Once firmly planted there, it acts as a ravenous weed and infiltrates the way you feel and think about yourself and others, the way you relate to other people, how you relate to God, what you do, and how you navigate your daily life. So you, when you read that chapter, probably every single person has something that fits somewhere. Yes, especially when you're being prompted. It reminds me of like a Sunday school yeah. um, activity where like, what are some ways you help out your parents at around the house where you're encouraged to, you know, like personalize this and then... It's only after you've done those checkpoints of participation that it's like, by the way, a root has grown in your soul every time. Like, oh, you're, you're only finding out the stakes of that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so in 2013, like the chapter one is about also telling you what it means to engage. In the coming weeks, there will be multiple times in which memories or thoughts, sometimes dark or painful, come to mind. This may happen during the large group teaching or in your small group. These may come up when you are at work or school or playing with your kids. They may come up before you fall asleep. At times, they will feel like they are coming from nowhere. They are not coming from nowhere. Something is triggered mentally for you. And it is important that you don't ignore these memories and thoughts. You need to engage with them. You need to capture them and sit still in them. What does that mean practically? If you are in a situation in which you cannot take some time to just be still, think and feel, jot down what you remember or are thinking about and then revisit it when you have time. If something arises during your large group meeting, write it down and share it with your small group. There is a reason these thoughts and memories come to mind. God is dredging up stuff that you need to see, remember, and feel so that you can experience this healing. Don't run away from them. Engage them. Thankfully and wounded, you are walking with others who have been hurt as well. They have their own wounds. They have responded poorly to those wounds, just like you. You are working toward the same goal as they are, getting well. You are in a safe place where you can talk about your wounds, feel what you need to feel, and say things you have needed to say for years. You are safe and you are not alone. I don't want to get ahead of things or speculate, but we were talking about how wounded as a course, you get the sense that could have been used to 
groom people for spiritual abuse like down the line it it seems so far that the purpose of it seems to only be to feel pain there's there's a disclaimer like we're not counselors we're not medical professionals what we know is that you need to feel pain the the focus is to find pain and feel it and so far mm-hmm. that seems to be the only purpose of this course to identify like com- and then feel it yeah and like to completely break people down like you have done a bad job yeah like they said that yes yeah i noticed that too yeah other all the people you're with they have also failed in finding their wounds yeah yeah instead of just being like if you had something difficult happen like we're just people doing the best we can right so identifying your wounds pretty much the same 2013 2014 i'm not going to go through the whole list because it's exhaustive but these are things that you might check. If you're looking for wounds? Yep. Read okay. each of these statements below. You may be able to relate to an entire statement or just part of it. Check the boxes that apply to you in any way or have applied to you in the past. I got broken up with once. Check. I have trust issues in my relationships. <laughs> okay. All right. I feel distanced from God. I'm afraid of God and what he might do to me. I tend to keep thoughts to myself remarkably self-aware uh as a kid i was so afraid when i went to church i was afraid of god of his power and about him sending me to hell so having that right at the top of the list is pretty smart i mean they i am just, afraid of god they could have just put there are you catholic <laughs> <laughs> i listen half my family's catholic so i can make that joke i don't really know who i am i have a hard time defining what i like and don't like I don't like to remove my clothes when preparing to bathe, swim, or sleep. I feel guilty all the time. But then it's things like I have suicidal tendencies. I feel unworthy. I am a perfectionist. I feel like I'm going crazy. I'm not aggressive, but I feel like a danger to children. I have thoughts of physically hurting people. I feel insignificant. I feel preoccupied. I feel ruled by fear. I'm obsessed with food. I hate making mistakes. I have very high expectations of myself. This is a very... um. <laughs> well, A, I was going to say, it feels very roller coastery in, in terms of, um, I feel inadequate. I want to taste human flesh. Yeah. Oh, whoa, 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 hold on. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of these inventories that people are taking in the beginning, yeah. which I believe are the wide net to get everybody on the same page that I am really messed up, you know? Yeah. So that's one. Then in 2014, there's called a setup inventory. And once again, please read the following statements and check the boxes beside any of them that were a part of your childhood experience. One of your friends was a buddy or a friend to you. One of your parents died. One of your siblings died. <laughs> that is a hairpin turn. If you were involved in sports, theater, or other extracurricular activities, one of your parents was usually not in attendance at your events. You spent a lot of time by yourself. You were made fun of by other kids. Your family experienced poverty. You never or rarely attended church meetings. There was a lot of tension in your house. You were not allowed to visit friends in their homes. Many, if not all, of the photos of you from your childhood are staged or posed. 
You were the result of an unwanted or unplanned pregnancy. Your parents were not married or dating when you were conceived or born. You were the middle child. So this is what? Traumatic experiences that are outside of things you may have directly experienced, but like ways in which your life is just traumatic in general. <laughs> let's let's identify those as well. <laughs> you were the firstborn child. <laughs> you were the youngest child in your family. You were an only That's child. They hit all of them. All of them. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine getting through the first three and being like, oh, thank God. Yeah. Oh, no. I know. That's what I thought until, only child. until I got to only child. I'm like, well, there I go. Thank goodness I've got these materials. Your family was very strict in regard to behavior, language, dress, and or other aspects of your life. Oh, no, your church was very strict in regard to behavior, language, dress. Your church was very permissive. Your church experienced charismatic phenomena. Example, tongues being slain in the spirit, etc. One of your parents seemed to be working all the time. You have a large family. You dreaded school. You dreaded being home. You dreaded church. Okay. So 2013 has the chapter understanding your setup. That's yeah. their version. You set up the relationships and experience that form the backdrops of your wounds, you see. So this isn't just everything is framed around who can you blame. Yeah. You know, and some of those are things that are very specific. Your parents weren't at your events like Maybe your yeah. parent was working. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh my goodness. It definitely feels like a logical extension of having everybody, encouraging everybody to take this class in the sense of like, well, it feels like you want everybody to be wounded. And then the class kind of takes it as read that like, you are wounded. Let's find out. When we talk about childhood, we're just, what we mean is like your wounded ears and let's figure out how. Yeah. Like it, it's kind of assumed and, and then the course is. And, you know, and okay, so understanding your setup in order to heal, you must gain an honest picture of how you were set up to be wounded. So all of those things suggest that those were the, the pieces of, of the puzzle that were put in place for you to become wounded so then you think about the change in language from understanding your setup to you were set up. Like shifts the blame even yeah. more. Family of origin. So then it defines these things, right? So it's explaining setup. Family of origin. The family, parents, and siblings that you were born into. As you consider how your family's life shaped you and your setup, consider the following were you happy? Did you feel valued by your parents? Were you free to express yourself? So it's it's another list of kind of rather all-encompassing questions, you know, like... Do you know, maybe this isn't a question you can answer, but did anybody go through this course and come out the other side like, wow, you weren't wounded. You were a loved, uh, supported child and you have no wounds. Oh, um, I don't know that. But 
I would guess no. Right. Yeah, I, I would think it's already, unlikely, but it just seems like, yeah, is there a way to navigate this where like, oh, yeah, you... I don't think so. I don't think so, no. All right. Then it talks about your non-family relationships, players, people who played a role in the setup of a wound. This is like friends, classmates, teammates, religious leaders, teachers, babysitters, etc. So we're just like talking about all the different people you could blame, right? So you get to the end of this, right? And it says embracing the truth. Now you must make a choice. Will you disregard the truth or embrace it? As you consider these various elements of your setup, will you encounter memories and feelings that have laid dormant in your heart and soul? And some of them will be unpleasant. It is up to you to engage with the truth. Jesus taught the truth will set you free. There's a universal dynamic in play there. Living in lies or intentional ignorance of reality only leads to bondage and death. There is no life there for you. There is nothing there for you. However, discovering and determining to live in the truth leads you to freedom, a freedom you have never before experienced, a freedom that liberates you to live the more and better life that Jesus has created for you. I don't I don't want to assume like a, an abusive intent. Just to listen to this, it seems so pessimistic. It seems like such a dark yeah. way to frame your childhood that everything you experience is a possible wound. The circumstances of your childhood are the backdrop for your wounds and all the people in your life as a child, those were players in creating your wounds to frame everything that way is so upsetting. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. That whole bit I just read, it's 2013. Okay. 2014 is generally the same they're talking about your setup there's that subtle change subtle in quotes you were set up versus you know understanding your setup but there's this part in 2014 that's different it's called the council of evil spirits a tremendously important but often ignored aspect of your setup is the role of evil spirits the bible consistently teaches that there are evil forces that are constantly at work in the world and in our lives they work against you trying to manipulate your actions, words, thoughts, and feelings. Their central aim is to undercut and sever your relationship with God by planting lies in your mind, lies about you, lies about other people, and lies about God. If you believe that these lies are your thoughts, you will believe that work of evil spirits is actually the way you feel. Then it explains the different ways in which these evil spirits show themselves. Torment. They want you to experience chaos, commotion, worry, anxiety, suffering, or fear. There's a good reason why Paul told Timothy, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. A spirit of fear teaches us to be paranoid, fearing things that aren't real, things that will never come true. It goes on to have a similar conclusion to what I read from 2013. So we get to... Chapter four, which is called The Evolution of Your Self-Created Identity. And in 2014, it's pretty similar to 2013 for the most part. There's a few changes I'll note. Main thought, your story is real and you are safe to share it. So this is where I think you, I remember you flipping through this or something and noting that like Lord of the Rings is noted in here. 
<laughs> There's a I whole thing about Mordor in here. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I remember you being like, oh, wow, they, you know... So there's a definition on here, redress, restoring the dignity of someone who just shared their story through empathy and encouragement. That's because this whole chapter is about sharing your story with the other people in your group. Your story is not too dark to tell. It is not too painful, too ugly, too deviant. It is not too anything to be heard. The ugliness and evil in your story is not too intense for your wounded companions. We all have dark stuff in our stories. So this whole chapter is about sharing your story, which you have now checked all these boxes of things that, you know, now you're supposed to share this story with everybody else in your group. Okay. And explain where, where you came from, you know, Checkpoint, what do you consider to be the darkest part of your story? So it feels like a challenge. Like, listen, you're going to have to find the really dark stuff here. There's these suggestions. It's called feeling your story. When you're preparing to tell your story and when you actually tell it, Remember to engage with your emotions. It can be very easy to tell your stories if it's not really about you, like you have been a spectator. Don't do that. You will rob yourself from the healing and freedom that await you. You were wounded. Feel that. Let your heart be broken by what was done to you. Let your heart be broken by the love, support, safety, and or affirmation that you needed that you did not receive. Your pain and your rejection are real. So let the reality of your wounds sink in and allow yourself to feel deeply. Don't distract yourself from your pain or keep a stiff upper lip. Let that lip quiver. Feel your story. Remember, you are safe and you have permission not only to tell your story, but to feel it deeply. Do you ever see Whiplash? Yes, this I have. It's like a spiritual version of having a jazz teacher yell in your face until you start crying. Yeah. It's so focused on like... It's like being in the military. Yeah. It feels very boot camp, uh, break a person down. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Uh, No wonder why they maybe found this problematic. Yeah. (laughs) Practical help for writing your story. Who wounded you? What kind of wounds did you receive? Go back, you know, and revisit, of course, all the check marks you made. How old were you when, when you were wounded? Have you stayed silent about your story? How do you think that might have affected you? And of course, what else bothers me about this is that I think there were both people for sure who were in this course that did not have a real need to be in this course. On the other hand, I think there were probably people in this course that had real trauma that these folks were not equipped to handle you know and this is not the way to do it it's interesting i haven't this whole time i've been thinking about people who are pushed into this course who don't really need it and how in and the sort of uh, aggressive digging for something that maybe isn't there but yeah i haven't what been thinking about to- people who are wounded and I, I don't know that they're being treated with care in a course like this right it's reckless yeah 
So we're, we move on to chapter five. Counterfeit shame and anger. Main thought here, you must work through the counterfeit shame and anger you feel in response to your story. So they're going to explain to you what some of these things are. Okay. Counterfeit shame. Shame that attacks your identity and makes you feel ashamed for things that were done to you for which you bear no responsibility. Shame is not fun in any way. Consider the following possible definitions of that word from the dictionary. So here we go again. A painful emotion, a condition of humiliating disgrace or dispute, something that brings censure or reproach, something to be regretted. Shame is actually a God-created emotion. He uses shame to bring us back to him when we have been disobedient. However, this is not the kind of shame you are feeling in response to your story. You are experiencing a tainted version called counterfeit shame. Counterfeit shame is not redemptive. In regard to your story, counterfeit shame makes you feel guilty for things that were done to you for which you bear no responsibility. How do you know you are feeling this kind of shame? Here are some behaviors that may indicate that you are living in counterfeit shame. Resisting eye contact when you see someone you know. Staying overly busy at work to keep from connecting with others. I mean, that's just your life. <laughs> you don't need to, I'm, yeah, we're two for two so far. <laughs> there was a few others, but like some of these things are just like how a lot of people feel. Yeah. <laughs> you know, can I ask how long is the course? Yeah, it's like, um, I believe each chapter is a week. So at the most, it's like 10 weeks. So this is very intense, actually. <laughs> And also, you're really, you have to really commit to this. I mean. Yeah, we heard the the contract design at the start. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we keep moving along here. Chapter 5 in 2014 is called The Fruit of Rejection. Understanding your negative responses to your wounds. So that story chapter, the result of that is you write a story and then you share it in your group. Okay, so once you move past that, then you're here, which is talking about the main thought here is your negative responses to your wounds have become a major part of your SCI, which is your self-created identity. So meaning like your identity is comprised of how you've responded to these wounds, which, you know, maybe means you've been clueless to them or whatever, because you didn't know you had them until you were, you know, in this season. In the first four chapters of this book, we focused on how you were wounded. Why would you respond to your wounds in a negative way? Why does your SCI become your normal? It's because you have the triple threat of core lies, family curses, and false shame working against you. This feels so like seminar jargon. <laughs> the triple threat. <laughs> well, you know what's almost overwhelming when I was going through all of this is there's like there's like core lies and it's a little box you feel overwhelmed. It reminds me absolutely of courses I had to take for my job or whatever. When you have to do these trainings every year, you know, everybody probably has to do something like that. And I can't imagine trying to be like, okay, I have 10 weeks to do this course. I need to understand self-created identity. I need to understand core lies. I need to understand this. Like, I was overwhelmed trying to keep track of all of these definitions and like, this is how you're supposed to feel about this and whatever. 
which is probably also intentional because then you're not dwelling on like, wait a minute, what's really going on yeah. here? You're just yeah. like, oh my gosh, I've got to understand this thing. And I've got another class next week and I got to get pictures for this and, and whatnot. So there's these things called core lies, which they talk about in this chapter. Those are untrue statements you began to believe because of your rejection wounds that negatively impact your self-image. There's family curses, which I mentioned, sinful patterns inherited from your family of origin. So we go through a whole performance addiction section. We go through a whole misery addiction section. We go to sexual addictions. And I think it is important to note that this is a church whose philosophy is that sex is exclusively something done between a man and woman who are married. So I think there are times where sometimes the sex stuff feels like a bit much or something like that, or like, wow, why are we back on this? And I do think that it's important to remember that yeah. there is a very defined... I, I assumed, I guess, that was probably... Yeah. Also, I think there's a lot of focus on the sex stuff because they had, maybe still have some form of this, another class called Pure... Yeah, we briefly mentioned it. Yes, so that is like for folks who are struggling with sexual addiction issues. So probably say yes to that, then they'll be like, great, well, after this 10 weeks, then you can do another 12 weeks in this one. Okay, there's this part at the end called a kick to the gut. If you have read this chapter with open eyes and an open heart, you may feel like you just got kicked in the gut. Seeking your sin and owning it is a painful process. You may feel shame right now. That's okay. You have permission to feel that. So don't run away from this. Just as it is imperative that you face the truth of your wounds, it is vital that you break denial about your sinful responses to those wounds. Let yourself feel the godly sorrow that will lead you to putting those negative ways behind you and embracing who you are and who he wants you to be. Let him help you discard those pieces of your SCI and guide you into a fuller experience of your GCI. God-created identity, self-created identity. Let yourself feel the godly sorrow. It, Yeah, it really reinforces. Uh, you might feel like you got kicked in the gut. Guiding you towards... Um, you should probably feel bad right now. Yeah. Feel that godly sorrow. Yeah. I mean, so far, there's been nothing really positive. Yeah. All right, 2013, Chapter 6. There is actually a whole chapter now on misery addiction and performance addiction. I don't know... Who writing these materials had this issue? (laughs) Because, wow, I mean, the main thought here is understanding how these addictions have impacted your life. Emotional and relational healing is a lot like an onion. When you peel back the initial outer skin of an onion, there is another layer waiting for you and another layer. There are two basic types of emotional addiction. Misery addiction and performance addiction 
You may be a performance addict, a misery addict, or a combination of the two. So misery addiction is rooted in a loving relationship. It comes from being wounded by the person who loves you the most. For most of us, that would be our parents. Perhaps this was your experience. If so, when you were wounded, a switch was flipped in your brain and you began to equate love with deep pain. Furthermore, your brain began seeing positive things like intimacy, accomplishments, and blessings as negative things. Then it says checkpoint. Were you wounded by someone who loved you deeply? (laughs) Typically, misery addicts will do whatever is necessary to avoid connecting with people on any kind of deep level. Avoidance, finding ways to keep from engaging with other people or uncomfortable situations. All right. 2014. Chapter six. Claiming your God created identity. Main thought. It is time for you to declare independence from your self-created identity and step into your God-created identity. This is chapter six. So we've, this, we've been six weeks at this. Because this seems like it might be the turn into something more positive. Yes. So it's been six weeks of, of the gauntlet. Yeah. Okay. God-created identity, the identity that God designed you to live out, which leads to more and better life. It's things like you are a work of art. You are God's masterpiece. The Bible has much to say about who you are. And it's all these Bible verses that give you a lot of positive reinforcement, okay? Your voice, your ability to speak for yourself and confidence and in the security of who you really are. But then the next task in this process is to write a letter to your abuser, You want to address the letter to one person. It is probable you've been wounded by more than one person, but it's going to be the person. They're not going to send these letters out. Well. Tell me they're not going to send these letters out to people. The text suggests that you are to write this letter and basically like you're going to read it, but then you're not going to do anything with it. Yeah. But there are periods of time when this class was taught And they were encouraged to actually mail these letters. And they did that. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, later in this whole series, there will be a letter that comes up. So there's a letter writing process that's going to happen. Okay. And 2013, the next chapter then is called sharing your letter. Writing your letter honestly and fully engaged brings freedom and healing. So you're going to write the letter and you're going to share it with the group. And there's tips for things like how do you keep your letter from becoming hate mail? Again, the whole idea is like on paper supposed to be you're going to write this and feel free because you wrote this thing. But yeah, there were times where people were told to mail their letters. Um, and- yeah, it feels like a very different letter that you like a, a letter that you write hypothetically to this person as a means to healing it might not be the same letter that you might not write a letter to that person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a different process than like, if anybody is familiar with like the steps program, that equivalent to this is like making amends, <laughs> you know? Um, and depending on what you've identified your issues to be, if you are on the side of being a person that was encouraged to take this class, 
you thought to yourself, I'm not really sure I should be in here. And then you do some checklists and you're like, well, I guess my parents didn't go to my sports stuff and whatever. Like, that's an unfortunate <laughs> letter, you know, like to generate the sort of emotion you need. You're supposed to be angry, I guess, and, and stuff. I would feel very uncomfortable it, writing a letter it would like be that. An, it would be a hard letter to write if you had been having trouble throughout this course finding what was told to you to be real trauma that like maybe you're not finding because you're not feeling it like writing this letter to your parents because I don't think they maybe didn't come to a baseball game once write a a letter about it yeah it would feel yeah out of place yeah So the 2013 chapter eight is, I believe we are moving upwards. Now we've written the letter, which feels like, uh, you know, the symbolic, we burn this letter, you know, Yeah. and now we can, the, the end of act two, we, yeah, we're at a low we can point. move forward. Yeah. Discovering your God created identity, living out your God created identity is central to your healing process. There's three main elements to that identity. God's word, your gifts, talents, and passions, and your story. The Bible has much to say about who you are. The truth truths mentioned here are significant. So it kind of is about now you're supposed to start entertaining the thought of who does God want me to be, right? And instead of who I want me to be based on all of these things that have happened to me, yeah. and now you have to navigate this life based on that and learn how to like move forward. So in 2014, it's navigating your life and your God created identity life in your God created identity redefines your daily life and relationships. So it's like a whole new world. Now you're supposed to feel like you are ready to have like a completely different life right now. I'm surprised. I guess I've been thinking that your God created identity would be closer to you discovering the person you are, the person that I've been hiding my whole life. That's who I am. And that's, this feels very specifically like, like the person you are, that's the wounded person. So that needs to go. Once we get that out of the way, God will create the identity and that will come from outside. That will come from an external. Yeah. Well, let's just say that this course that God created identity is not something completely specific to this, but I will say that in a lot of cases, people's God created identity was actually a dog created identity, if that makes sense. Or it'd be like, you are good at this, or you know what I mean? Um, all right. So you're going to learn now about like how you're supposed to live. And this God created identity, which is you have reckoned with your wounds. You are going to embrace your gifts, God's word. Those wounds will power you, but they won't define you type thing. Right. And talks about forgiveness because now, of course, we are in a place where we're trying to move forward. We're not dwelling in that anymore. Let's tell you what forgiveness is and what it isn't. What? How does Webster's Dictionary define forgiveness? <laughs> well, you would think that actually is 
not in here, but it should be. First of all, forgiveness does not mean that what was done to you is suddenly acceptable. It doesn't mean that you sugarcoat your wounds. They are still real and will always be part of your story. It also doesn't mean you are expected to walk right back into relationships with your wounder. Maybe this is what you've been led to believe about forgiveness, but that is not the kind of forgiveness God is inviting you into. Real forgiveness is granting pardon for an offense. It is no longer holding the person responsible for what they did. There is no room for minimization here. Real forgiveness is about fully recognizing about what was done to you. So it's trying to get you to a place where, you know, you can do this to people. But then the next section is about setting boundaries. And my assessment of this is that all of this then is about identifying people in your life, probably in your family, that you feel have wronged you and you reckon with this and you do all of these things. And now you're learning how to forgive them and what that looks like. And now we're going to talk about setting boundaries, which they define as limits you set in order to keep you safe in a given relationship. And this feels like what we saw in the knitting episode where you can then decide, like, I'm not talking to my mother anymore. Or Last chapter was, I forgive you. This chapter is, but my Tommy gun don't. Yeah. What they say about setting boundaries. Forgiveness is one thing. How you handle your relationships with your wounder and the other players in your story going forward is another. You must be wise when considering whether or not to maintain or renew relationships with these people. They must not be allowed to trample on the truth of who you are and what God is doing in you. Your wounds are truth. Your healing is truth. How God feels about you is truth. Your God-created identity is truth. Jesus said, don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls, then turn and attack you. Jesus teaches us about boundaries in Matthew 7, 6. Boundaries are limits that you establish in your relationships. They are lines in the sand that you draw in order to keep people from trampling your pearls and attacking you. Practically speaking, it is imperative that you set appropriate boundaries for your relationships with your wounder and the players in your story. This goes on a lot about boundaries. Like, it goes on a lot. And I believe what's problematic... Practically speaking, what does it look like to establish boundaries? Well, here are some possible steps you may need. Limit the amount of time you spend with people that you need to establish boundaries with. Limit the amount of times you call them or email them. Don't share any intimate details about your life. Don't share details about your story. Don't go deep with them about God or your God-created identity. These things may sound pretty harsh to you. For many of us, these people have been and are still close to us. So when you think about Nate and what happened with his family, there might have been, you know, some boxes that were checked. Like, how many people took this course and got to this section and were like, well, I'm setting a boundary. And, you know, maybe it wasn't 
a necessary or appropriate boundary. I say this while also recognizing that there are times when you need to set boundaries and that's a very healthy thing to do. Yeah. I granted I've been hearing this through the perspective of the story we heard last episode where it feels very, um, (laughs) these wounds were, were maybe fabricated and then here he is disconnecting from his family. Like this course is laid out, but then you think if there are people who are, legitimately sincerely traumatized well in that case as this course points out these are not trained professionals and you shouldn't be making huge permanent relationship changes in your family based on what these people who are not medical professionals are telling you to do if it's real then you shouldn't be listening to these people yeah (sighs) yeah and there's a lot in this section There's a piece starting setting aside the old, embracing the new. The choice is yours. The promised land of healing and freedom awaits you. It is sprawling out in front of you, but you have to choose if you will walk into that land. You have the same choice. Will you obey your loving father who is graciously inviting you into the promised land of more and better? There will be some discomfort in the process. You may need to have some difficult conversations with people that have meant a lot to you. You have to deal with the reality of counseling spirits that are telling you lies. You have to learn to accept God's love as it comes from him and through others. These things may be uncomfortable and even painful at times. Yeah, you know how heaven, the promised land is often described as painful and difficult? It is such a setup. The real setup is that everybody has been set up and I can completely see how this could happen. And again, this is a situation where of course I read all of this, but I read this through the lens of not somebody who was like a member of the church and all of this stuff. So I could clearly see it's 2020, you know, vision. So if you are somebody in that moment who was encouraged to take this course and you do the inventories and you check the boxes and you're like, Oh my goodness, I have some pain, which is maybe even real. Then all of this though, is feels so uncomfortably like a setup to distance yourself from your families. You know what I mean? I try to come to these episodes with an open mind and to try and not have. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We wouldn't be doing a story on a church that's functioning in a healthy manner. Yeah, and this but was I, identified but as I, a problem. But I try to approach it yeah. with an open mind nevertheless. And it it's hard to not hear this as predatory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's again, uh, when you think about the last episode and the extremes of this sort of thinking, it's like extremely painful and... I mean, no wonder why this was specifically identified as a problematic course in text. Chapter 8. Continue to grow into the real you. Next steps in growing into your God-created identity. Also, the idea that 
is all about a God-created identity is another very militaristic thing, which makes me think about like stripping away anything that defines you personally. Yeah, it's it's distinct. It's specifically identifying like the way you think of yourself. Like set that over here. There's this other identity. Yeah. That you that that's the one you're looking for. Whatever that is, that's what we're trying to get to. This needs to be discarded in order to get to this next part. Yeah. Main thought. Your journey to healing, freedom, and a true sense of identity has only begun. This is the 2014 version. What's next? This is the last week of Wounded. Does that mean your healing process is coming to a close? Of course not. Just like everyone else, you are still a work in progress. You have now tasted the healing and freedom God has for you, but there is more for you, so much more. One of the truly great parts of Wounded is that you experience healing and community. As you walked through the through your wounds, you have done so surrounded by people who are also healing. So one of the things I highlighted here is a section called Stay Engaged in Relationships. You have been healing in the context of relationship during Wounded. You will need to do so after it is done as well. You were never meant to fly solo in life. So as you move forward, you will need to stay engaged in relationships. Specifically, you need to be engaged with people who will see you for who you really are. Friends who will walk hand in hand with you through the hard stuff and the dark stuff. People who will love you no matter what you have done or what has been done to you. Thankfully, God has already provided such people in your small group. So see how now... You could erase everything outside your life. Yeah. And thank goodness you have these other people in your small group in this church conveniently that you can now for sure rely you've, you've on. You've now bared yourself in the most extreme way possible to. You've now been as vulnerable as possible to one another. Yeah. Like there's a a, a bond that you form by doing that, certainly. They've been in the trenches with you during these 10 weeks and are totally on your side. Lean on them. Continue walking in relationships with them. Another avenue for such relationships is other small groups. So it's like, okay, you've developed these relationships and wounded. And now, amazingly, there's other small groups. At Valley Brook, we have a wide variety of small groups and recovery groups. Pure for men, sexual addiction issues. Here for women, sexual addiction issues, knowing your father, attachment issues, prayer groups, Bible study groups, discipleship groups. For you, perhaps one of these groups is the next step in your healing process. So then it talks about like creatively expressing yourself in this sort of thing. 2013 has more chapters technically than 2014, but it turns out to be basically the same amount of pages. And this one, redefining your relational world, and again, talks about forgiveness, that sort of thing moving forward. But one part that was interesting to me is called setting boundaries again. So there's this big thing in both sets of texts about boundaries, basically excluding people from your life that aren't into your GCI which is your God-created identity. But then it's at the end, moving forward, it's up to you. Main thought, you are responsible for staying engaged in your healing process. 
And again, in the 2013 version, as in the 2014, it's all about finding other small groups. And as this course has defined, staying engaged means crossing swords in battle. (laughs) Yeah. So that's minus some pages. That's the course. I'm not sure how much of that. That's the course. (laughs) It's pretty shocking how formalized the stepping stones are to erasure and and then uh yeah in rebuilding like it it seems really clear the path that yeah yeah uh interesting changes some of them when you are on the other side of it looking at it some of those changes are small and subtle but they all kind of push you towards this i idea of we are your family now or you know you need to set some boundaries with people who don't buy into this or whatever and yeah it's it's quite a course i noticed it wasn't called bandaged or (laughs) healed you know it it does seem it largely lingers on on the the wounds wounds. yes exactly (laughs) it really does (laughs) But yes, we're not done with it yet. There's at least one, perhaps two more episodes on it. So, um, and some personal accounts of how this all looks. So, yeah, we will get back to it. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next time. Stay tuned. Chosen is presented by Cool and Unusual Punishment. Research and interviewing by Jody Haas, with editing and mixing by Tyler Haas. Our theme music for the series is by Zavely, with additional music by John Wright, Aiton Epstein, AG Music, and Christian Ann. This podcast is a proud member of the Nerd and Tie Network, a coalition of Wisconsin-produced shows that you can find at nerdandtie.com. Our website, where you can find links to the material and documents we referenced, is coolandunusualpunishment.com. Does that mean your healing process is coming to a close? Of course not. Of course not, you dirty, dirty little animal. (laughs) 